Welcome to the Innovation Today podcast, where we speak with today's technology leaders about how they're innovating to stay ahead of changing industry dynamics and reaching new levels of productivity and automation. Brought to you by ServiceNow, your partner in digital transformation. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Innovation Today podcast. I'm your host, Jim Vandover, Field Innovation Officer at ServiceNow. And today I'm excited to welcome Nicholas Lee, VP of Innovation Consulting and Solutions at Fujitsu. Welcome, Nicholas. May I call you Nick? Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Jim. Great. Sure. And today we're going to dive into field service management and field force optimizer. Is that right? That's correct. Um, so before we get into that, Nick, what, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and why this is uh, important to you? Okay. Yeah, I uh, maybe I'll just share a little bit that uh, at Fujitsu, I've been there, you know, roughly around 16 years. One of the roles that I had about a decade ago was around field service, mm -hmm. uh, and then from that, I've moved into a number of different areas like our global business or emerging tech side. And for the last four years, I've been uh, I'm the VP for AI and optimization. So my role is to look for what we call killer applications, where it's the intersection of kind of industry problems and mm -hmm. our advanced computing solutions. So we don't want to go in and just sell a technology solution, we want to find those business applications. So killer being good, not bad. Killer being good. Killer yeah. being really, yeah, it's killer. It's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. So it's part of those, one of them was, you know, come full circle back to the field and that's where Field Force Optimizer has, has come into play. And mm -hmm. we we see that out of our own internal necessity. We have our own field service organization. We've been using ServiceNow for over a decade. Yep. And uh, the challenge is, you know, you just don't have a lot of skilled labor that's entering the the marketplace. Sure. And so we've developed this solution out of our own necessity. And then when we saw the results of that, we we're like, hey, this is something that let's figure out, can we bring this forward with a partner like ServiceNow? You know, we, we manage about 200,000 field service tickets uh, on an annual basis. So we're, um, one of the things that makes a very nice compliment with ServiceNow and Fujitsu is, you know, we don't just sell the field service FSM licensing, but we can come in and help from a field service transformation, not only because we're using it internally, but we've also gone through our own transformation. We've right. moved off of Oracle onto, you know, ServiceNow FSM. We've gone with the, you know, click end of life migration and, and have worked through some of those industry challenges. And so you have that first hand experience. You can really say we've, you know, rubber hits the road. We've done this. Absolutely. We know what you're going through. Absolutely. So okay. that helps with clients to take them on that kind of journey. Yeah. And it's not just let's implement something, but like what is the longer term strategy for your field? You know, let's start talking about parts and inventory and predictive maintenance and the full end-to-end -end supply chain within the field service domain. Mm -hmm. That's that. That's great. So then, what what are some of the the customer challenges you're solving for? So some of the biggest challenges we see right now is um, if you think about SLAs, a lot of the SLAs are you know they come in they're one hour, two hour, three hour. When you're talking about large customers that have really complex environments and very big commercial contracts. The way that those have been historically supported in the field is, you know, they'll have a, what's called a batch optimization or an overnight optimization. And you typically will have like a, a knock environment, so a network operations center that will manually handle those kinds of tickets. And so it's very manual intensive. And you see like utility and energy domain, you have like a major outage or you have like a hurricane. There's a lot of manual effort and a lot of inefficiency that goes into that domain. You also were seeing, um, you know, a number of factors, the macro effect of you know, obviously post-pandemic with digital services being distributed at the edge and customers expecting those kinds of services and companies that, you know, the only time you see uh, an AT&T as an example is from their field tech. And so that's the 
representation of the company is they want to make sure they have the right skills and the timing's good and customers expect you to be on time. And then more recently, we're seeing trends in terms of like health and human safety. You might just not want to optimize every single ounce of energy out of your employees. You want to find a balanced workload for your employees or even like the CO2 component. Uh, we just released a new feature where you can actually model whether it's a hybrid electric or a combustible type of field fleet. So you can model the field fleet and actually trend your overall CO2 emissions. So you can look at my goal right now is going to be minimizing travel. You know, that's my biggest impact for CO2. CO2 and uh, is one of the one of the biggest uh, impacts for ESGs. The number two biggest impact for ESG is fleet optimization. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing, you know, CIOs, CXOs that are interested in like, how can I use my field more responsibly? At the end of the day, it's less wear and tear, less time on the road, and less, you know, gas. It's a convergence of so many different things. Yeah. I mean, you've got that ESG part, but it's also, there's a very big workforce optimization part of it as well. And and by proxy, my experience as an employee is better because of of this this data-driven decision-making rather than the that manual process. Exactly. Like yeah. a lot of the... Um, a lot of the models that you'll see today, I, I deal with artificial intelligence, but also what we call quantum-inspired computing. So it's a purposeful built solver for solving very complex optimizations. Uh, you might hear like a problem called the traveling salesman problem. It's how do you route, if you have a number of salesmen, you have a, a, a finite set of locations, how do you optimally route those to service your customers? So it's a very okay. industry standard problem. The reason I bring that up is what we've brought into service now. We've connected our advanced compute solver so it allows you to solve very complex problems very yeah. quickly. And so AI and machine learning, you build those models based on the past. And in that, you might be propagating negative things in the future. Like if you did something from a negative perspective, you the model's trained on that, and so it propagates into the future. Whereas with uh, an optimization engine, you're, it's goal-driven. So I want to minimize costs. I want to maximize skill fitness. And the engine actually takes and balances all those competing business objectives. And so you're operating in real time. You're much more dynamic. And you can do things, uh, you know, much more quickly rather than, the, you know, these complex training processes. Uh, how would that support something like capacity planning? Very good question, actually. Uh, one of the things we're looking at doing, we have a customer that wants us to use this solution in their, so they have production environment and non-production environment. Non-production environment, they want to run high-frequency simulation of their field, essentially creating a digital twin of the field. And so yep. from a capacity perspective, then you could say, what happens if I hire one additional field agent in this location, or what happens if I upskill this skill in that location? Um, and so we're starting to get into situations, even parts and inventory, if I store X number of parts at a centralized depot versus in the back of the van. So they can now make those decisions and, and be able to you know, make staffing decisions and take on additional capacity or upskill. So that's a big, uh, I think, game changer that's coming to the field as well. So Nick, does this become a, is this going in that predictive direction where you can run these models anticipatorily and really uh, optimize that way? It's it's exactly that. So it's uh, when you have a goal-driven system, you can, uh, you know, you load in all your, your, your tickets and you can look at, you know, let's optimize for the next time horizon of two weeks mm-hmm. and you can tweak your, your goals. So if I say, you know, like the utility and industry energy industry, uh, you might have a goal of all you care about is critical incidents. So you can actually model that, you know, you change that as your, what we call our business objectives. You can tune the algorithm. We allow the business managers to do that through the interface that we've added to FSM. Nice. And then they can play around with that in the non-production environment, say, you know, what if I focus on minimizing, you know, minimizing overtime, or what if I focus on um, reducing the territory spread, or what if I focus on 
reducing costs and travel. So you can see what that does to your overall plan schedule and get a sense of, well, I'm going to bust, you know, X number of SLAs, but maybe that's okay. If you're going to reduce your CO2 footprint by 40%, but you're going to have a couple of customers that maybe you don't meet those SLAs. And maybe it's time to have a conversation with a customer about, you know, can we be more responsible about how we service your business? And that must be, that must enable customers to do forecasting farther out then, right? The, the the opportunities of being able to see where things are going farther than you, the standard operation. It's yeah, it's the what ifing scenario. So right. you know, energy utilities a good a good example. Again, I'll stay on that theme. You know, if a tropical storm comes in, you know, how are we going to operate? You know, and and what kind of um, how many technicians do we need, and um, what locations would they service, and what if this ro- these road had you know con- more congestion? Mm-hmm. Uh, we look out not just uh, time dependent routing. We look at traffic dependent routing. So we can look out in two weeks and say, you know, rather than going through this route, go to this route because, you know, traffic is more dense. So even looking at forecasting based on things like traffic or even weather conditions, mm-hmm. you can now do, it, it all depends on your time horizon and how far you want to look out. I think the what ifing scenario is kind of the, will be the game changer in terms of uh, field service organizations. Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing up the reference because it, it's, it's very sort of fun to get onto these podcasts and talk about the sunshine and the rainbows. But the reality is these headwinds are always going to be here one way or another, whether that's, you know, weather or COVID-19 or economic issues, you know, those headwinds are something that our customers are going to be facing literally all the time, one way or another, whether again, they're business related or externally related. So, but what you're talking about really enables a that what if scenario mm. enables you to make, to plan for it and really reduce the risk, I would think, right? Absolutely. And even even the AI and ML models that you can build, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, not in the field, but I work in supply chain problems as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the supply chain, uh, some of our customers had to turn off some of those prediction engines, right? And because it was the future, you can never predict absolute what the future will be. And these every scenario is quite different and it's changing even faster. And so I think, you know, giving customers the tools to be able to, one, you know, be able to optimize and understand how to best allocate their field engineers in the current moment, and then doing the scenario planning is is really where, you know, the field is going. So that, that segues really nicely into my next question, which is, um, where do we... Where do we start? And by we, I mean, where, where do customers start? Where do, for our listeners, how do we help them sort of evaluate where they go from here? So we partner with ServiceNow. We're a, a global elite partner. Yep. So we love to be brought into those discussions with with customers. Uh, we have a, a perfect example. I won't name the customer name, but they're on a different platform today. Mm-hmm. And they have some stability challenges with that. And so we partnered up with ServiceNow. We've gone in and done, uh, built a demo for them just so they can see the capabilities. And then with our team, we don't just show the out of the box. We've even customized the the demo for them to get a sense of how that would work in their operation. Yeah. They are a, a manufacturer of uh, window treatments. And uh, and in that, we even look at bringing some of our innovative partners like Carrier into that because we can look at, well, how do you bring in you know augmented reality or how do you, you know, today in that kind of instance, we work with a customer to say, let us understand your business processes. But one of the things we went back to them with was, well, rather than having someone come out and measure why don't we put the technology in the hands of your customers and then you avoid essentially landlocking the customers that you can service. Right. And so we've, you know, innovated with the mobile application, the interfacing into service now. So those are just 
you know, we start with a workshop to answer your question. And then we just typically go through a lot of these different customer pain points. Yeah. So what, even, even before the workshop, what, what would you suggest that customers be thinking about as they're going on this journey? Like what, how should they be thinking? So on this podcast, we've talked a lot about sort of thinking outside the box or expanding beyond, you know, just head down product and service. Could you inspire us a little bit with some questions that we could be thinking about? I think customers that are, um, you know, one is if they're using CSM today or an existing ServiceNow customer, those are ideal customers that should be looking at their field operations and saying, how can I integrate a consolidate, use a consolidated partner for that kind of journey? You know, understanding uh, with FSM out of the box, there's great capabilities with, you know, mobility, dispatcher workspace, uh, and even the the standard optimization that comes out of there is good for many, many clients mm. that are needing that. And so really, I think it's um, understanding how your workforce works today. Uh, what would mobile application, what would that do to your, your field? What kind of efficiency gains are you looking to to solve? When you get into the higher end kind of complex optimization, the questions there are like, what are your business objectives and how do you want to service your customers? You might have a preferred customer out of you know 30 different customers. And today there's a lot of inefficiency that's being left on the table. So there the questions are, you know, what is important for you for that customer? Let us do the balancing of those but really, let's focus on what we want to achieve for each one of our customers. Yeah, Nick, you bring up a good point. I, I really appreciate that. So I'll double down a little bit on it in the fact that you can't start to think really data-driven business outcomes when you're head down, when you're just trying to keep the the current process operations working. Right? Absolutely. So to free that up, to start to think about those business processes, and then we're going to need to get there and our customers are going to need to get there if they have any chance to start thinking about things like artificial intelligence, right? right. You need to have those stepping stones in right. order to get to those higher levels. Otherwise, otherwise, once you get to the artificial intelligence level, it's all garbage feeding into the AI and, and it's garbage into garbage. Yeah. Right. Is that so we'll, accurate? That's accurate. And we'll come in and we do like a readiness program with customers. Mm -hmm. So like some of the customers might not have any of their skills or their field agents loaded into the system. Yeah. So we can help with that. You know, we, we come in and based on our best practices, both the ones we use internally and the ones we're helping with, you know, FSM customers today, you know, readiness is data readiness is a big component of that. Mm -hmm. Once you have the data in there, it's very easy, you know, to use the, the native functionality of ServiceNow. Mm -hmm. So la the the last question I want I want to ask you while I've still got you here is around the future. What are you most excited about that's coming? Um, what techno? I mean, we've obviously we've talked yeah. about artificial intelligence, so I'm pretty sure I know where this is going to yeah. go. But so outside of what we've already talked about, what are some of the really exciting things that you know you look in the mirror in the morning and be like, yeah, this is why I'm going out to work. I think you know we're on the cusp of with the field of a big transformation. We have a lack of skilled labor that's entering the workforce. I think 8 million jobs by, I think, 2028 will be a, a gap in just in the U.S. alone. Yeah. I think organizations, you know, so yes, I can look at the future and say it's super exciting, but it's also very scary that we don't have the talent coming in. Yeah. And so we need to rely on more things like automation and AI and, you know, being more efficient in terms of how we service our field. The augmented reality component is big because... You know, before you in the manufacturing realm, you could have, if you had 20 manufacturing facilities, you could have an expert in each one of those. And now, you know, you don't have that. You don't have the generation that's entering that workforce. And so you can consolidate that, that talent to a centralized location and have them, you know, support, um, you know, from a remote assistance perspective. 
you know, AI is obviously a big buzz right now. I mean, there's only benefits that will come from a field scheduling perspective. I think more things of inclusive environments for the field engineer of having, you know, their preferences heard, their voice heard. When I had responsibility for the field, you know, in North America, there's a lot of challenges between the field manager and the field agent with, you know, why are they sending me to this location? Do they know what they're doing kind of thing? And uh, one of the things that um, I think will come out is explainability, explainable AI, which is essentially provides rationale to the field engineer. Why? This is why we selected you to do that. Yeah. And looking at the workloads and making sure that everyone's getting the equitable amount of work, you know, balancing the workload. Because at the end of the day, if the first time you ever meet, again, in the AT&T example, a customer, uh, you know, you're a customer of AT&T, the first time you ever meet a person at that company, you know, you want them to be happy. You want them to be you know, well-balanced. And so I think really focusing on the, the well-being of the field organization is, is something that is big. And then lastly, the, when I mentioned the, the digital twin, there's always been buzz around the word digital twin, but being able to actually simulate and, you know, create the, the field and be able to do the capacity stuff or the training stuff, I think that's going to help organizations have a much better handle on how they run their field going forward. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, whether that's you uh, are able to model a headwind of the weather coming or whether that's we are rapidly scaling our organization and we're going to deploy 10,000 more more resources exactly what what are the what's the cascading effect across the organization exactly. if I do that it's all about de-risking you know and and that's not just for the field we do it on you know supply chain production we do it in healthcare it's you know giving the tools that you need to either transform your environment by scenario, what if plane, but it's being able to visualize and see what that looks like in the future. Right. That's going to help field organizations be successful. Yeah. And I'm going to add a little a sub question to this, if you don't mind, around um, consumerization. So I, I, I have a lot of conversations around the importance of consumerization. Are you experiencing that as well? You mean you're talking about more of like servicing um, from B2C perspective? Or? No, because when we talk about these uh, lesser skilled, say, field field service uh, uh, resources where they're on site and they've got to do a job, the amount, the, the benefit of productivity and time to value is dramatically increased if the if the engagement is consumerized, does that make sense? So yeah. I don't have to be trained on how to use the software or the, or the user interface that I I have. It's intuitive. Right. I, I, yeah, I definitely, I see that as well. I think, and we see that across a number of industries where the skilled labor that you actually put out into the field can be less of what's required there in the past. And you augment it, you know, you either augment it in the back or you create more intuitive based applications that, that can service. So we do see you know, our customers, obviously, the you know, in the IT environments, the technology environments are getting more advanced, but they're getting more simplified. Right. And uh, you know, end-user computing, you know, back in the day or field service, you had you know, end-user analytics, and you know, it was um, you know, virtualization, all these complexities. And now you can manage everything from a single console, and you can get a feel of how people are actually engaging with their environment. So, all of that will definitely have an impact. Hopefully, it reduces some of the stress that's on the field that's out there today. Exactly. We, we need to be continuing to be focused on the human beings involved in this. Absolutely. That's right. Well, Nick, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a great episode for our audience. I really appreciate your time. Thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe and share if you like what you heard today, and be sure to join us for our next episode.